from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut. Every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Ridiculous News is a production of iHeartRadio and Cool 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 Audio. With amazing and crazy topics to pick and to choose, you are now tuned in to Ridiculous News. With interesting views on breaking the rules of broadcasting and all sorts of wild reports to keep us laughing. With funny, off-brand, upbeat journalism, the strange and unusual stories of what we give them. When it's all about ridiculous news everywhere, we talking about ridiculous news over here. Hey everyone, welcome to Ridiculous News. Not your average news show, we cover stuff you didn't realize was news, from the wild and funny, to the deep and hidden, to the absolutely ridiculous. I'm Bill Worley, an Atlanta-based filmmaker and comedian, and I support a woman's right to choose her body, her choice. Right there with you, Bill. Uh, I'm Mark Kendall, I'm an Atlanta-based comedian, and kind of random, but hey, did you know uh, that, uh, uh, according to Smithsonian Magazine, an octopus has three hearts? Well, they do. I was looking up random facts about octopi. Or octopus, and um, that that is a that's a fact. So uh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So uh, y'all, today uh, is a weekly roundup episode uh, where we'll be discussing headlines that caught our eye, and also we're very very fortunate today because we are joined uh, by our very special guest, uh, Annalise Kaler. So Annalise is an Atlanta-based documentary photojournalist and artist whose work has appeared in the New Yorker, the Washington Post, and the Financial Times, and on NBC. PBS, CNN, and dozens more. Uh, she's an Autobahn master birder and master naturalist, meaning you'll usually find her hanging out with black bears and birds more than uh, more often than you will with people. So with that, Annalise, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank so, you. I'm excited to be here, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. We're, I mean, one of the reasons we wanted you here today, Annalise, is because we're going to be talking a lot about the Supreme Court leak, and it's a very, very important thing, and we wanted to talk about it as eloquently as we can, but also pass the mic a bit to you, and we also have a special guest, Inse Ufat, who's the um, CEO of New Georgia Project, who will give her uh, thoughts and opinions later in the episode as well. Um, so thank you so much for joining with us, and, um, you know, beyond all the places where you named where you're... Uh, 
work has been. There's also last week tonight with John Oliver. You had a photo in that one time, and I remember that was really really cool. That is yeah. so cool. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was one of my photos of uh, former President Trump, and we didn't expect to see. Like, I didn't expect to see it there. I was like, wait a minute, that's my photo. <laughs> that's <funny>. Yeah, <laughs> always nice when you get a, a, a momentary glance on John Oliver that you weren't expecting. That's awesome. So we love to start things off when we have a guest with a segment we call uh, giving them their flowers. So Annalise, this is basically just a time where we, uh, Bill and I, will give you a compliment. So Annalise, what what I wanted to say about you is like. Uh, you know, first of all, you're such an accomplished, talented artist in so many different mediums. And something that I really appreciate just from spending time with you is you really understand like the artist and the worth of their art. And so I think from hanging out with you, like I start that like you were one of the first people that really from watching you, I, I learned like, oh, like my work, my art has value and I need to remember that because other people might not. And uh, you've been so helpful with my artistic journey in, in learning that and understanding that. And so I, I really thank you for that. Oh, well, thanks, Mark. That's yeah. very kind. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and Annalise is a, a, a woman I love. I've known her for over 10 years. She's helped me to become a better person throughout that time. Uh, we've we uh, lived together. We were married. We've been through a lot of amazing, amazing things. And uh, our journey, that journey ended. But um, I think I'm so wonderfully grateful for all the wonderful, amazing influences you have. You make me uh, made me a much better person. And I'm excited to have you on because I always, always have valued your opinion. And I know your story about this particular topic is so powerful and um, and very uh, authentic and honest and I think important for people to hear. Um, and of course, your voice normally is that way as well. So um, I'm excited to have you on. Please feel free to jump in during this ridiculous uh, nibbles, ridiculous news nibble segment wherever you want. And this episode, to, to what we're saying, is a little, little different. We're going to talk about some silly stuff, but also this is a serious topic. I mean, this is talking about, you know, taking our country back 50 years if this potential decision um, goes through. So uh, what, one of the things we want to talk about was what is Roe v. Wade, Mark? Yeah, so the, there's a New York all the Times article with some quick facts about Roe v. Wade. So I just kind of pulled some of these. And so this is by no means like comprehensive, but just some quick facts that I was just going to share from the article just to kind of like set the stage as we continue to talk about it. So uh, so one fact is like, you know, when was Roe v. Wade decided? So uh, the 7-2 ruling was announced on January 22nd, 1973. Uh, Justice Harry A. Uh, Blackman, uh, a modest Midwestern Republican and a defender of the right to abortion, wrote the majority opinion. Uh, so a Republican wrote the majority opinion. That's wild. Yeah. And you might ask what was the uh, what the case was about. Uh, so in short, it's a landmark Supreme Court decision that established a constitutional right to abortion. Uh, the ruling struck down laws in many states that had uh, barred abortion, declaring that they could not ban the procedure before the point at which a fetus can survive outside of the womb. Uh, that point, known as fetal viability, was around 28 weeks when Roe was decided. Today, because of improvements in medicine, uh, most experts now estimate fetal uh, viability to be about 23 or 24 weeks. Uh, the next thing, quick fact is, you know, what, what led to the landmark case? Uh, so in 1970, a woman in Texas named Norma McCorvey uh, was five months pregnant with her third child and wanted to have an abortion. Uh, two Dallas lawyers, Sarah Weddington and Linda Coffey, represented her in challenging the state's prohibition on abortions except to save a mother's life. So then uh, one last bit of facts I'll say is uh, who are 
Roe and Wade. Uh, Jane Roe was a pseudonym for Ms. McCorvey, uh, who was 22 when her case was filed. She later spoke out against abortion. Um, but in a documentary in 2020, Ms. McCorvey said she had done so only because she was paid for her advocacy. She died in 2017 at 69. And then uh, Wade... It's wild someone paid her to, to speak out against it. Yeah. Wade refers to the defendant, Harry Wade, who was the district attorney in Dallas County, Texas at the time. Mr. Wade died in 2001 at 86. So again, not completely comprehensive, but... Just a couple facts, you know, to share about that decision. Right. Yeah. I didn't realize that uh, Roe was a pseudonym um, when I was going through all this stuff. So that's interesting to know. Um, and going into, uh, you know, Georgia, here in Georgia and Atlanta and our home state, you know, they have passed some restrictive laws on abortion. And um, this is a story from HuffPost about a Georgia Democrat who seeks a vasectomy ban in response to the restrictive abortion bill. Um, that was state rep Darshan Kendrick, who was calling on a bill of t- t- testicular bill of rights, uh, which I thought was a great way to address uh, what was happening. Uh, the legislation that he, he had several bullet points was, one, require men to obtain permission from their sex partner before they're able to attain a prescription for Viagra or any erectile dysfunction medication. Uh, two, ban vasectomy procedures in Georgia, both in part or whole, with the name punitive measures for performing the procedure that are same ones listed in HB 481. Um, make it Three, make it an aggravated assault crime for men to have sex without a condom. Four, require DNA testing when a woman is six weeks and one day to be performed before she is eight weeks to determine the father of the child who shall immediately start paying child support. And finally, a 24-hour waiting period for men to purchase any porn or sex toys in the state of Georgia. <laughs> Which I thought was a, a really good way to kind of address some of the absurdity and the fact that if, if, if men were the ones getting pregnant, I don't think we would be having any of these conversations right now. Yeah, you know, in a way, men are also getting pregnant when they impregnate someone. It's just that they don't carry the body. And I think that's a point of view that people forget about with this. It's that as much as family planning is indeed up to um, women, it's often, you know, this escape route for men that they don't have to deal with it because they're not carrying it. And I absolutely believe, you know, women's body, her choice. I've certainly made those choices myself, which I know we're going to get into. But um, this is the just like avoidance is not a problem solver and it absolutely would be different if it were men. But to that point, just because the woman is carrying the pregnancy does not mean she carries only the responsibility. And that's a filled part in our world that we've never really focused on making that differentiation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and especially in our, the, the way our society looks at it right now. And yeah, I think, um, what, how did you feel about this vasectomy ban? I mean, I'm all for it. I have a, a, you know, like, I think it's important point to make, but unfortunately we're also in this state where, because we can throw like hyperbolic um, examples back and forth. And that's kind of become the MO in American politics, right? It's like, it's not necessarily the same as like, what about ism, right? But what it does is, is like, oh yeah, well, what about this? And what about that? And it's a convenient way to actually avoid doing the work um, of, of changing something. Now I am all for this passing. It never will, of course, in Georgia. Um, It probably wouldn't anywhere else. But as important as it is to make those points, and especially when we have platforms to do it, it's also important that we don't get so wrapped up in going viral, making these amazing points, trying to do all of these things that we forget to get down and dirty and do the work ourselves to actually impact change. And I think, you know, in this case, great point. It makes for a great news cycle. 
and all of that. But it's also because we've been worried about these points and we haven't been rolling up our sleeves as voters, as citizens, as people that we get to this point where it's just basically, um, in my opinion, you know, batting hyperbole back and forth um, as the new form of like gotcha or what about isms. For sure. Yeah, I think we're, we've had quite a uh, <laughs> the <laughs> level of dialogue in our country has gone down the toilet. Yeah, good thing Elon Musk is trying to to get Twitter back to <laughs> being uncensored. Well, let, let's move on to this uh, story about uh, so something we talked about a couple weeks ago. So we wanted to update the story. It's not directly related, but um, was the uh, the slap. Um, so Will Smith uh, slapping Chris Rock at the Oscars. We've all heard about it. You know that was a, it was a huge story. Well, on Tuesday of this week. Uh, a man with a replica gun at a Los Angeles comedy festival ran up and tackled comedian Dave Chappelle. Um, the man, the LAPD said he was carrying a weapon that could eject a knife blade. And I hadn't seen this mark until you sh- you were mentioning it this morning, and I actually saw the clip, and it's scary. I mean, he just straight up spears Dave. Oh, with the tackle? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's intense, and it's confusing confusing and then um yeah it is it was it's weird trying to watch the video from it just from my experience hearing about the story i was just on twitter and i saw this story and you know Chappelle and uh, Chappelle, like a lot of other comics you know most people don't have uh phones uh, at at the right. events at so the so it's like all these like little videos where it's hard to tell what's happening like mm-hmm. what's going on but yeah you see this person rush the stage and tackle Chappelle and then they they go down so it's just like what <laughs> you know so yeah you're yeah. like what well yeah because when I, I I saw Chappelle and at least you were there we we had to put our uh, phones into special cases I forget what those cases uh, are I think it's like a yonder pouch or something yeah, yonder, it. pouch, it's, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. yonder pouch and yeah. um yeah so does that mean someone able got around the yonder and they were filming <laughs> is that what that means so I was just at a different comedy show um I went to see Hannah Gadsby this last weekend we had to put yonder our phones in yonder pouches and I was so I was by myself at the show and I sat down next to these like two ladies who are maybe like 20 years older than me and they were out for like their you know girls night out and they had never experienced the yonder pouch before and the one lady was like but I've got my apple watch and if I really wanted to do something I could I could record this whole show with my apple watch she was super stoked and into it so I don't know maybe maybe these they use an apple watch yeah that's yeah that's a good that's a great one yeah you gotta you gotta take it you gotta start putting those in the yonder pouches mm-hmm. um yeah I, I that's wild I mean I you know we had this thing happen just on Tuesday with Dave, uh, here in Atlanta, we had T.I. get up and, you know, yell at a, uh, uh, get in the face of someone who was running an open mic. And I don't know what's going on. You know, it feels like if you're flying on planes now, there's people that are getting more violent. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's sad. And I don't know, how do you feel about it as a stand-up, Mark? I mean, has it affected at all? How are you feeling about going back out there? Uh, that's a great, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, I don't like people attacking people on stage. <laughs> so, and I'm and I'm not trying to make light of it, but it's like you know, I don't, I don't like, I don't like that. Hot you, take, hot take. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, like, for me personally, you know what I'm saying? I don't think it like really changes a whole lot. You know, um, it it uh, I guess, but I mean, like. Like like you were saying, Bill, those examples that you just mentioned, 
we're all pretty close together. So it's kind of like, and, and to me, all of those occurrences, all super unusual. And so it does kind of make you wonder like, oh, I don't know, is this, at some point, is, this, is it a pattern, you know? Um, right. Like for, the, I mean, but, but to answer your question, I mean, like in my, my particular case, no, I, I'm not especially worried about someone coming up. You, know, you should be. <laughs> <laughs> I hope yeah. that that never ever happens yeah. to you or yeah. any other comedian yeah. for that matter. Um, because it is very scary, and and I think yeah, to your point, Mark, maybe it's something, you know, with it having to Chappelle because it's a big stage. If if you see the video that someone snuck in or shot on their iWatch, uh, or whatever, uh, it's a huge stage. So by the time this guy tackles. Dave, I mean, it seems like security was pretty on top of it, but it still probably took him a good 10 seconds. And, you know, if he had had a knife or that retractable knife had been working, um, that could have been really bad. So maybe we'll see something where, you know, maybe security sitting in the front row to keep it a little bit more DL or something like that. I'd be fully supportive of that until we can try and figure this stuff out because please stop attacking our comedians. We need them. <laughs> Do y'all remember yeah. like maybe who Chappelle needs to hire is like the first lady? Like, so, like remember when that lady jumped on stage during the the election, um, trying to get to Joe Biden, and like oh. Jill Biden just swooped in and like <laughs> yeah. took oh. her down before Secret <laughs> Service could even get there. I'm like, maybe she needs to like so maybe Chappelle needs to hire uh, you know, the first lady Jill Biden to come on and be his security detail. Like that's a duo I would absolutely <laughs> see. Like I would. I would pay just to watch her like be the muscle at a show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, Bill, this is a little random, but you know, you were asking like, oh, am I afraid? And it's just like, you know, the last time anyone came up on stage while I was performing and it was not uh, especially planned was last Thursday. I did a show at a dog park and dogs were going up on stage, but that was cool. That was fun. <laughs> that was very nice. So it's just like, it's great if you're heckled by dogs. Cause they don't carry knives, and uh, you know they—it's a welcome, it's a welcome heckle, you know. That's a, what dog park did you do? Oh yeah, so uh, well, quick shout out Sam Gordon uh, with Wendy Peach Comedy. She yeah. runs uh, if you're in Atlanta at Fetch Dog Park in the Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I think she has a show there twice a month now. Uh, That's and it's like yeah, it's a really nice dog park, and they just set up chairs, and dogs are just running around, and you do some stand up. <laughs> It's pretty awesome. <laughs> so anyway, but 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 dogs did rush the stage, uh, but that was part of it. That was all part of it, you know. So <laughs> so that's that's something I'm cool with. I'm cool with all that. Let's do more of that. We're gonna take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. With amazing and crazy topics to pick and to choose, you are now tuned in to Ridiculous News. Okay, so now we're going to hear from Ensei Ufak. Ensei is the chief executive officer of the New Georgia Project and its affiliate New Georgia Project Action Fund. Uh, she has dedicated her life and career to working on civil, human, and workers' rights issues and leads two organizations whose con- uh, complementary aim is to strengthen Georgia's democracy. And so we were fortunate enough to get a chance to talk with her uh, and ask her about uh, Roe v. Wade. What do I know about Dobbs versus Jackson is that, again, the pale male stale cartel is on fire. They don't take any days off. Uh, Unfortunately, it looks like by the end of the summer, uh, abortion will no longer be federally protected. And each of our 50 states in Washington, D.C. and the territories get to determine um, whether or not and how uh, people who give birth get to get medical care. It's disgusting. Um, it's absolutely disgusting. And we are preparing um, to, to meet the people in the streets this summer and meet them at the ballot box on November 8th. Like, it's beyond time. Courts don't make laws. The Supreme Court doesn't make laws, but they can destroy them. They can strike them down, right? And so what we need is a law from Congress, a bill from Congress that is turned into law um, that recognizes abortion care as health care and, and recognizes bodily autonomy and recognizes the right to privacy as guaranteed by the Constitution, particularly the 14th Amendment and others, right? So. It's deeply, deeply, deeply concerning to me about where we are in terms of American politics. Um, The people who are attacking our reproductive rights and bodily autonomy are the same people that are attacking our voting rights, right? Um, And our ability to choose leaders and our ability to govern ourselves. That is fundamental. The right to bodily autonomy, what I can and cannot do with my body, it is fundamental. Right. And so is the right to be able to choose our leaders. And they're both being attacked right now by, again, the conservative minority. They're they're trying to hold on to power. I'll tell people this. Governor Brian Kemp. Our asterisk governor, Brian Kemp, when he ran for governor in 2018, he did not mention abortion once, not once, didn't run on it, didn't campaign on it, wasn't a part of his commercials, nothing. And then when the legislative session started in January of 2019, within 30 days, they were banning abortion in Georgia at six weeks. And... A lot of it has to do with the fact that he stole his seat 
He's not a legitimate governor. And when you attack democracy in such a way, you often end up with unaccountable leaders. People who don't give a damn about what the voters want because the voters aren't how they got their seat in the first place. And so when you think about all of the trash bills and the trash laws that have been passed by this legislature and this governor, it, I, it, I, it all stems back to the fact that they are not all in their seats legitimately, that they have been able to sufficiently suppress the votes of young people and poor folks and folks voting in rural Georgia and black folks, that they've been able to, for so long to suppress such a, enough votes that they can hold on to power, despite the fact that the majority of Georgians don't want what they're selling. Um, so we will be in the streets with the people this summer. We will absolutely be at the ballot box this November. And between now and then, we will go to Washington, D.C. We'll be here in Atlanta. We'll go to regional congressional offices to help create the demand for a federal law that protects health care, women's reproductive rights, and the right to safe, uh, healthy, like the, the right to safe abortions. Like it, it has to happen. Um, and if, because if it doesn't, if they're able to regulate our bodies and our elections, not do anything about climate, like we are in trouble, not do anything about wages, we're in trouble. I mean, and it's, this is what happened when you have leadership that's not accountable. The minimum wage in Georgia is $5.15 an hour. We've tried to get multiple hearings. But so, of course, the people who refuse to listen to Georgians about how low the minimum wage is, refuse to listen to Georgians about the desire to make it easier to vote. You think they're going to listen to us when they say that, like, my body is sacred and decisions that I make about whether and when and how to start a family are between me and my family and my doctor. They don't respect that, right? Um, and so the right to vote is sacred, it's fundamental, and is at the core. Attacks on the right to vote are at the core of all the things that we're seeing right now in this moment. And so we're going to be doing a lot of popular education to make sure that people know and understand how they can show up for themselves and for people who give birth uh, in this moment. So again, that was Ense Ufa. We're so thankful that we had the chance to speak with her briefly. And so now we're going to go back to our discussion with Annalise. Beyond all the facts and figures that you're hearing, I'm sure, in the news and all of the, the different sides of this debate, I think what's always super important is hearing the personal stories behind the, the numbers and, and who this stuff is going to affect directly. So really fortunate to have Annalise here to share her story about her abortion and how it actually saved her life. I think everybody knows somebody who's had an abortion. It's just they might not know they um, know somebody who's had an abortion. Right. Um, I think it, it's surprising. And, and for the longest time, I didn't talk about my abortion story because I, I had not mixed feelings about sharing my story. Um, it was a long time ago. And, um, you know, circumstances for every person in that in that decision making process are very different. And recently I kind of came to this sort of moment with my personal abortion story that um, was a little bit different than than how I used to see about it. So I call my abortion my politically incorrect salvation. And 
I call it that because going through that process really gave me a, a different viewpoint than maybe some. Um, mm. So going back to when I was a teenager, um, I was really excited one summer. I got to hang out with my friends, the pretty girls. I was always like the mousy, you know, redhead with a nose in a book, um, mm. you know, looking at birds and, and, and generally not like, you know, the popular girl, et cetera. And one of my um, girlfriends, her cousins um, were in town for some family stuff out at the lake. And one of those cousins was older. Um, you know, it was the 90s. So I was very into, you know, Nirvana and the grunge <laughs> scene. And so is he. And the long story short of this is after spending some time together, um, we went out to like, we were out with um, the rest of the group and I was date raped. Um, I said no. I wasn't heard. I wasn't listened to. I had no way of pushing back um, or doing anything. And the result of my rape was that I became pregnant. Um, I come from a very small town in rural Wisconsin. It's about 1,200 people. I think the reason I didn't share my story for a long time was because I still have family there. Um, and I certainly think a lot about the implications of what it might be to have like someday my, you know, 13 year old nephew hear from some kid that his aunt's a bad person mm. or my niece hearing that his aunt's awful or something like that because it's a small town and, and stories spread. And so to me, those implications have always been far more scary to me than like my actual personal implications of that. Mm. Um, but um, I was date raped. I contacted the guy who did it, and he sent my mom a check for $200 to pay for his half of the abortion. Hmm. She wow. paid for the other half, and she took me to get that when I was a teenager. And to be honest with you, like I'm really kind of glazing over that whole part because I can't tell you the date I had my abortion. I can't tell you the name of the doctor because I know she was in you know, the Twin Cities, but I don't even remember her name. Hmm. Um, the actual event now is such a blip on the radar for me that it's not something I spend my days regretting or thinking through or being upset about. Like I said, my, my abortion was my politically incorrect salvation because had I had that baby, I would absolutely almost positively still be working at a gas station in my um, hometown with no future. I would have never gotten out of there. I would have never amounted to the person I am today. I would never be able to help the people that I've helped today. And I certainly would not be in the spot I am financially or successfully like I am today. Mm. And for me, that was a really important thing to do. I never wanted to stay there. And um, my family could not support another kid. At a point, my dad was living in his car while we were on food stamps and he was driving home on the weekends because he couldn't afford gas to and from work. So now I get pregnant from a date rate and I'm supposed to keep this baby. Who does that benefit? Certainly not the child that comes as a result of it. Certainly not me as a child who's been date raped. Right. Certainly not my family who can barely afford the kids they do have. Um, and so for me, it was the right choice. And um, so I used to start telling that story and just like I did now with talking about how my abortion is the result of date rape. But as I've been talking about my abortion story more often, I have decided I usually need to leave that out because it's not up to me to justify my abortion. 
in somebody else's head. Hmm. So I think a lot of people think of abortion. Well, in the case of this, I can get around that. Like my brain accepts that. No, your brain needs to accept it because I made that decision. And if you love me, you can accept that. If you're a stranger, you can accept that. If you love me and you can't accept it, then that's a problem that you and I are working through on a very different level. (laughs) If you don't know me and you can't accept it, then it's no different than you not accepting anything else about me and I don't care. And I think like we use these uh, reasons like, oh, well, in the cases of, you know, rape, in the case of incest, in the case of the life of the mother, it doesn't change the procedure. It doesn't change the outcome. And absolutely, we should be concerned with those things happening to begin with. But we should not only be concerned about date rape because of abortion or incest because of abortion or any of those things because of an abortion. So when we attach these very, very charged and complicated, awful things to abortion, we can somehow wrap our mind around it being okay that a woman decides not to carry through a pregnancy as a result of those things. Let's, again, kind of to your point about, um, you were talking about the vasectomies, right? The vasectomies of (laughs) banning those. Like, why do we only care about these things when it relates to abortions, right? So it's just... It becomes this sort of thing that we need to actually attack the problem and not just like the hyperbolic messaging or like the convenient things to get angry about when it's actually the issue that we need to look at. And, you know, like if you don't want to have abortions from date rape, I don't know. Let's teach men not to rape women. Right. Let's start with that. Like at what point is that what we want to focus on? You know, if you want to (laughs) deal with some of these problems, you have to stop scapegoating the resulting issue at hand and start actually dealing with the problem that gets to the symptom of the problem. I'm so sorry that you experienced that with the the day rape, and I'm very sorry about that. I'm glad that you were able to make that decision to have that choice to terminate that pregnancy. Um, And, you know, to your point, I think, you know, it's interesting because to your point, it doesn't have to have that particular justification. And the majority, the fact is the majority of Americans support it by a two to one margin. Um, Americans support abortion versus uh, th- that are against it. And I think one of the things that keeps happening in this country is we have minority rule. And by that, I mean, you know, there's there's the Electoral College, there's the Senate where a majority of the folks in that chamber represent a minority of actual human beings we'll be right back with more ridiculous news after this short break i'm katia adler host of the global story over the last 25 years i've covered conflicts in the middle east political and economic crises in europe drug cartels in mexico Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. You are now tuned in to Ridiculous News. One of the things that's so uh, interesting about your story as well, Annalise, is that um, th- that your abortion helped save your life. Um, mm-hmm. And can you tell us a little bit more about what you mean by that? Yeah. Um, you know, I graduated in a class of like 30-some students, right? Zero opportunity. I don't think I knew an actual person of color until I was out of high school. I mean, talk about the least diverse. Everybody was in the same class. Like we were all just kind of poor. Um, We all had limited futures. We all had this. Like there were a few select kids, of course, who who had this. But overall, I mean, when you come from a, a small town where you get a week off of school to help hunt because that meat actually puts food in your freezer, you're not looking at like America's most economically advantaged population here. Um, And so like for me, I could not wait to leave. I knew I had opportunities. I was lucky enough to have strong women role models in my family who could show me what was available to me if I wanted it. more than welcome to come back if that was my choice, but they knew that I was destined for bigger and better things with my talents and my gifts, and they wanted to see that happen. And to this day, I can't go back to that town for more than a couple of days without feeling suffocated. And, you know, I, I believe like, you know, some people really want a life in that area and they really value, you know, like I say, I still have family there. They really value some of the things that that small town rural existence brings to them. I did not. And I knew that if I did not leave, um, I was destined to have a similar future. And that's just not what I wanted for myself. You know, I had several kids, several young women in my class of 30. So we're looking, we're talking about like 10 to 20 percent of my class had teenage pregnancies or had fathered a child. This is not a small number. And I, I go back and I've, you know, I've been home or I've seen the updates on social media and it makes me really sad when I see somebody who had an incredibly bright future um, in something to have been weighed down by the fact that they didn't feel like they had any other choice but to go through with their teenage pregnancy. Mm-hmm. You know, they couldn't put it up for adoption even because that would be considered too like, oh, too scandalous or too, you know, in your face kind of an, an option. Um, so for me, my abortion saved my life because it did for me two things. Number one, it allowed me to continue on the trajectory of success that I knew I had in front of me if I really wanted it. It allowed me to leave the small town It allowed me to continue my education. Um, In my work now, I get to help do storytelling and I have a career that impacts people's lives directly where I get to directly give back and directly participate in helping to share their stories, which I think is a valuable gift. Um, I get to do a lot of good things. I have time to volunteers and I've never, ever wanted to be a parent. Um, You know, it's interesting, of course, Bill, you know the story. you know, I had my abortion when I was a teenager 
And then in my 20s, I had a full hysterectomy to take care of ovarian cancer. Mm-hmm. And I can't have children, which is fine. I've never wanted children. Mm-hmm. You know, when I had my abortion, I was not at an age where I could even think about being a parent. Mm-hmm. But then when I was at an age where I could, um, I definitely didn't want children. And when I was diagnosed with my cancer, I remember the doctor, and I think this is tangential to what we're talking about with, you know, um, family planning and abortion being healthcare. When I, um, my first oncologist, said, well, you know, we're going to do chemo in this, but I think we should do everything we can to save um, your reproductive organs. Like, you never know, you could get married someday and your husband might want you to have kids. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, you know, Annalise, you may want to be a mother someday. Oh, no, no, no. It was that I might marry, first of all, he assumed I would marry a man. Right. Second of all, he assumed that my husband may want kids and may want me to have those kids. And um, spoiler alert, a week later, I had a new oncologist and I got the hysterectomy. So that was just a non-option for me. Um, So for me, it was very, very much um, life-saving in the sense of I can't imagine, I can't imagine what my life would be like if I had been forced to carry that pregnancy. I really couldn't. And if it hadn't been an option for me, I... I am almost certain that if abortion had been illegal, that I would have injured myself just to avoid having that child. Well, I'm yeah. pretty sure like that that's what that's what I would have done. Yeah. And, and you know, to to talk about, you know, the, the, the further irony of what you're talking about, people that get stuck in poverty or get stuck in situations because they don't have that access or those things, um, you know, there's 13 states that would immediately go into if this Supreme Court uh, actually does end up moving forward, banning it. The irony is those states have some of the worst rankings. For example, if you look at Mississippi, which would have an instant uh, abortion ban, their state rankings on maternal morbidity, infant mortality, premature birth, all those uh, uh, dead last. Um, you know, so it's like, are, are we really talking about the well-being of, of children? Or what are, what's the issue there? You know, it's it's really a good point. And I think like that we have many opportunities where we can care about the well-being of children. You know, we need better health care in our country. We need better. We need better everything. Um, I recently finished a book and I can't recommend it enough to people who are looking for a really good book with some different perspectives. It's called The Nordic Theory of Everything. And it's by a former Finnish journalist. You'll have to look up the, the author's name at the moment. I can't find it. Um, but essentially, you know, one of her arguments that she talks about especially around like child development, education, healthcare, et cetera. But she talks a lot about this weird dependence issue that Americans have. Now she's you know from Finland. She married an American journalist. Um, she's a naturalized citizen here in the U.S. now. Mm-hmm. But she talked a lot about how like we have this notion that somehow um, if we rely on the government for things like healthcare or we have these, you know, like we make school overly complicated, um, and all of these other things that somehow we're creating a dependence that we um, are afraid of. But we really put this dependence on everything else. Like I'm dependent upon a, an employer for healthcare, So mm. there's a dependency. I can't leave my job if I wanted to, because then I'd have to figure out how to get health care. I can't be an entrepreneur if I want to, because if I leave my job, I can't afford health care. Right. Mm. And she talks a lot about like school choice and some of these other things that impact people. And I think like a lot of people would be very surprised to read about how other countries, especially other countries in Western cultures, handle these kind of challenges and really see that it's not just 
that we have countries or excuse me, states like Mississippi that are, you know, at the bottom of the barrel for everything where they want to ban abortion. It's that the U.S. is really at the bottom of the barrel for many <laughs> of developed countries and how we handle so many of the issues that impact quality of life for um, its citizens. And I think like the other big takeaway from that is, you know, if people really wanted to help, we would see that in other avenues. It's not like we're running out here with a great mental health plan for others. And it's not like churches are doing all of this incredible outreach to help the poor, to help the needy, to help this. It's very, very, very convenient to choose a category of people who have no voice like a fetus mm. and decide to put words into their mouths and to scapegoat them. If you wanted to really be pro-life, if you wanted to really attack all of these issues that fundamentally lead to reasons that women choose to have abortion, whether it's poverty, like in my case, poverty and lack of opportunity and potential to get out of that situation, mm -hmm. whether it's date rape, whether it's incest, whether it's domestic abuse, whether it's any number of these things, all of these things can be addressed at levels far above that of a fetus. Mm. And yet, how convenient is it to address it at a level where there isn't technically another side to consider when mm. you think about it? It's right. not like there's an, an opinion in her voice. So it becomes a very easy scapegoat to just start caring about something that doesn't really have um, any sort of you know legitimacy to it to begin with. Absolutely. And you know, this is why we had you on. We really appreciate all, all the thoughts and the the uh, what you're talking about. It's super important. And we wanted to kind of pass the mic because I think even though to your point, Annalise, this affects men just, you know, as well. I don't want to say it doesn't, but I think uh, if for someone, for you to share that story, and thank you so much for doing that and for yeah, you to share you, these Annalise. points. Yeah, I think there's one other thing I just want to throw out there in case sure. it's helpful to consider for the show. Sure. And that is... Um, you know, a lot of a lot of these restrictive abortion bans that we're seeing now that we have been seeing for the last few years. This is not a surprise to any woman or anyone who's been paying attention that right. this was coming. Not, this has been coming for a while. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, is that this is just the start. Uh, you know, a lot of people are saying, whoa, 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 we're sliding back 50 years. Absolutely. We are in this. But, you know, it wasn't that long ago that I as a woman, would not have been able to have a bank account without permission of a husband. Like, right. That was happening still like charge cards in the 90s. Couldn't mm -hmm. get one unless you had permission of your husband. It's right. not like this is a recent development. And it's certainly not that, you know, women haven't been feeling some of these things for years. But, you know, this is where it's starting. And you'll see if you look at the other things that are going on that are in this similar line um, to abortion, it's things like, well, what birth control is now going to be acceptable? Right. What other things are going to be acceptable? What other things that were, quote, set precedent? Brown versus education. That's set precedent, too. Should we get rid of that? Right. That was just the set as row. So all of these things categorically are big issues. And when you see something like the Supreme Court reversing a landmark case like this, this is like if there is not a call to action at this point and you ignore it at this point, this is just the starting point, in my opinion. We've got a whole lot more to worry about coming down the pike with something like this than just just abortion, if you will. Like there's a whole lot of other decisions that are being made at the state level. Mm -hmm. And a case like this, should the Supreme Court come out against this case, which they will, we know this. So if the ruling does in fact rever reverse Roe versus Wade, what else can be reversed? Because right. now there's a precedent for reversing landmark decisions. Right. Now there's a precedent for saying, 
by Bo- Brown versus the Board of Education, by oh, Obergefell and gay yeah. marriage. Goodbye to all of these things. So there's a whole lot more on the chopping block with this than only abortion access and the state's rights to decide what they can and cannot ban. Yeah. So it, it's not that this is just the, the big peak of it. This is just the beginning of the slope. Right. And, you know, the thing is, by by making abortion illegal, you don't stop abortion. By making mm-hmm. gay marriage illegal, you don't stop uh, people from loving each other. You know, by, you know, it wasn't too long ago when inter, interracial marriage was illegal and that, you know, before interracial marriage was legal, people of different colors could love each other. So the other thing is this: there's an insanity. You know, the drug war is another good example of a prohibition. Is a good example of you know you saying something is illegal doesn't stop it. It just hurts people. And a lot of these people that are going to need these abortions are going to you know either be having to drive a long distance or doing it in a very way that can is going to end up killing women. Um, and and that's another thing that I think is always so tough to deal with is the fact that you know. You can roll back the clock, but you can't change the reality. Um, And you think that we would have learned that at this point if you look at history. But unfortunately, we haven't. You know, as a photojournalist, I had the pleasure one day of um, spending the day with Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor. Mm -hmm. Um, And in doing that, having some meaningful discussions with her, I had a really, I guess you could say, like courtside seat to hearing some of the details she talks about with her work as a Supreme Court justice. Um, absolutely the highlight of my career. Mm. And um, that's a really, I mean, there's nothing that's going to top that. And one of the things that she talked about, in addition to the fact that we need more people with public defense experience on the court and more people from non-Ivy League colleges on the court for exactly this reason, She talked a lot about how when the Supreme Court comes to a decision, when a case is brought to the court, people always like to argue that, oh, you know, this is really um, the issue is black and white. And her point to the audience, she said she was it's never black and white. It's always nuanced. And she talked about how um, all of the justices discuss these cases with a tremendous amount of respect with each other, that there's passionate discourse, that there's an incredible amount of dialogue, that there's back and forth. And now, like this was, I think, four years ago at this time, before we had the current lineup of justices that we do. But to me, that gives me a little bit of extra insight. I know that in doing this, in this decision coming out, I'm absolutely confident that Justice Sotomayor, Justice Kagan, um, you know, the more liberal justice on the court, like hearing her talk about that, I absolutely know that they put forth 110% of whatever of the nuanced argument they could come up with from the legal point of view was. In that part, I take a little bit of solace. I know that we have other avenues for approaching this. Um, I've heard crazy things like uh, the Church of Satan is going to now sue because it's against their religious beliefs to not have abortion rights. Right, right. Um, you know, there's like these new things that will probably make their their way onto a ridiculous news podcast in the future. <laughs> but I think like having that insight into the fact that she really said, you know, a lot of people, A, just think that these things just happen in a vacuum, that they write their opinions in a vacuum without any actual passionate discourse. And that's categorically false. Hmm. And B... Um, she encouraged people to read their opinions from start to finish. And after she told me that, after she said, like, nobody ever reads our opinions, they just take the, you know, glean the information from the news, but encourage people who are listening to actually sit down and read the opinion. The, the rule of law is extraordinarily nuanced. 
It's extraordinarily complicated, just as complicated as any of the social issues any one of us faces in our in our day to day time. But I think what's really important about that is it gives you an insight into exactly what was discussed and exactly where the possibilities lie in the future. And that's what gives me some hope in this case. Well, excellent. Well, I think that's a wonderful place with that hope to to leave it and to have folks uh, think about that and and read those and uh, and also focus on voting. I, I want to always say vote, 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 vote. If you're unhappy with how yes. things are going, vote, vote, vote. <laughs> Please um, be a voter. You know, on that note, like vote locally. Yes. There are people like that is a big one. You want different judges on the court? You know, Biden just doubled the number of um women of color, judges of color on the on the federal bench this year. You want to get people on the, you have to start locally. And I think that's like a the big missed opportunity. You want to change our judicial system. You want to change the rule of law. You want to do that. You have to, there's no excuse to not vote locally, you know, and especially like look at and see who's on the ballot. Um, mm -hmm. Because it's really interesting when you start seeing who's on your local ballot. But if you want people who are eventually representative of you and your belief system, if you're, you know, it's not just enough to show up every four years or occasionally, um, if it's a hot race, you have to show up every day. And that means advocating for your local elections every single time, no matter where you live, you have to vote there first. Well, let's leave with that. And a thing we like to call the spring of inspiring inspirations. Thank you so much, Annalise. That's a, you know, we love to have you on because of all your brilliance and sharing your thoughts. And um, this segment, is something Mark and I like to do uh, just to kind of leave folks with a little bit of positivity here at the end, which you already kind of did. But um, Mark, do you want to read our great quote for this week? Bill, for today's uh, Spring of Inspiring Inspirations, the quote is, be the light that helps others see. Uh, it is what gives life its deepest significance. And that is from Roy uh, T. Bennett. And Annalise, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we really appreciate it. Where can folks find you if they want to look you up? <laughs> well, I do have my website at AnnaliseKaler.com. The same for my Instagram, which is woefully neglected. Um, or you can just find me out in the out in the woods with the black bears and the birds where I'm most comfortable. So keep one an, of those places. Keep an eye out for a redhead with a, a long lens taking some photos. And as always, thank you so much for tuning into Ridiculous News. We're thinking about y'all. We know this is a tough time for every everybody. So Thank you so much for spending your time with us. We know you got a lot of options. We really genuinely appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And, um, um, you know, follow Annalise. Also follow uh, Ense, who you heard from earlier. Right. Uh, as well Thanks as, so much, uh, Ense, for joining. As well as New Georgia Project as well. And hey, you can stay in touch with us too. So you can email us at ridiculousnews at iheartmedia.com. You can also follow us at Ridiculous News on Facebook and IG. And be sure to check out our comedy videos as well at Mark Kendall Comedy on IG, TikTok, and Facebook as well as at Kendall Comedy on Twitter. Ridiculous News is hosted by Mark Kendall and Bill Worley. Executive producers are Ben Bolin and Noel Brown. Produced and edited by Tari Harrison. Research provided by Casey Willis. And theme music by Four Eyes and Dr. Delight. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, 
Oh my god, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut. Every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.